What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 585 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast Hot Tags of the Week. I am your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me as always are Callum Wiggins. Hi. And Robert A. Felice. Yo. So, today we're going to be breaking down all the stuff that we feel like talking about that happened in the world of pro wrestling over the past few days. That includes some current events and rumors and news and gossip and TV recap and other things along those lines. And as we do that, we want to let you guys know that there are lots of different ways for you to tell us what you think about these stories. So drop your thoughts in the comments below on YouTube. If you're listening elsewhere on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or something along those lines, then the best thing that you should do is tweet at us and give us your opinions that way. There's also the Facebook group, The Mega Maniacs. Great spot for you to be able to hang out and just chat it up with other people on that, especially to do that during the pay-per-view because coming up later on this week, actually tomorrow night, we've got the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, so we will be having a post-show immediately following that event after the live coverage for that, so stay tuned and make sure that you are subscribed to this YouTube channel and you ring that little notification bell and get those email alerts for when we do go live. So you can join us and, you know, kind of chat it up with the uh, the live review post-show element of that whole thing. And just to get some stuff out of the way as well, to let you know about the way that some other things are going down right now, I am currently running a contest on the website sponsored by fun.com. This is the somewhat annual Road to WrestleMania contest that we've got going on here. And this time around, three people are going to win a Dusty Rhodes Funko Pop. This is inspired by the Cody Rhodes feud heading into this. He's going to be fighting for the championship, and Dusty Rhodes is the driving force behind that. So look at that. Get a little bit of history and get a little Funko Pop. Those are cool. People love those. I think that they're cute little toys and everything. So put it up on a shelf or something and get a little Dusty Rhodes thing, and there are lots of different ways for you to enter that. So if you go to the sidebar of smartgoutmoment.com, you can see a link to that and Lots of different uh, means on this Gleam little module that you can see on that page. Every day you have an option to do at least one thing and you can get bonus points by picking up some merchandise on the Redbubble or Public shops. You can share things on Twitter and Facebook and post things on Reddit and you can do all sorts of different ways to do that. One of the best ways to get the most amount of entries, though, is to help support us through our Patreon or if you are on YouTube, if you click the join button, it's the exact same sort of thing. Both of them have the same price tiers. Both of them have the same content. Make sure that that is across the board. But you get, I think it's 10, it might be 20. I forget offhand what it is, but you get a lot of entry points for being a part of whatever tier that it is that you are on. So if you're on the dark cast tier, for instance, it's at least 10 of the entry points for that. And of course, that also is just a means for us to be able to keep the lights on here and continue to do a bunch of things and continue to do more content and just kind of keep our motivations up as well. So whether it's a dollar a month and it's through the Patreon or the little thanks button on YouTube or that you are just part of the lending a hand tier on YouTube, then that is something that is greatly appreciated, especially the more that people do that. And that can really save Smart Out Moment from going under in the future. <laughs> Let's put it that way. The uh, options of the Redbubble and T-Public stuff as well. Great ways to support us. And the fact that you are listening to this and you can click the share button or the like button or subscribe and you know let people know that 
you're interested in this content. That stuff helps out quite a bit too. Also keep in mind that the Smart Madness tournament is coming up pretty soon, and that is going to be posted on, I believe it's uh, maybe next Friday. It's when I'm going to start with the qualifying round. So get ready to start voting on the best wrestling family dynasty of all time. And we will talk some more plugs in a little bit, but let's get into the rest of the show, like the main part of the show, I should say, not the just the plug side, but the hack tags themselves. And let's talk about some New Japan stuff. Let's just go with the, the thumbnail lead for this. Why not? The Battle in the Valley event is coming up, and that is going to be happening with the yeah, major, major news of the Mercedes Monet match against Kyrie Sane. That's the big draw of the whole thing. But there are other other matches that are on the card that should be pretty interesting. Um, we might be checking that out. We might be doing something about that. I don't know. Cut all depends. Are but we, at least we might be checking it out while we're talking about Elimination Chamber. That it, seems to be the likelihood of what's happening. It could very well become the Elimination Chamber post show slash New Japan during show. <laughs> <laughs> where we might have to, you know, kind of do both at the same time. But at the very least, even if we don't do anything review-wise, let's get out some predictions here. Talk about some of these things. And by that, I mean, you guys can fill me in on the things that I don't know anything about because you guys follow New Japan a lot more. So uh, I might even pronounce some of these names wrong. Uh, Alex Coughlin against J.R. Kratos on the pre-show. Never heard of either of those guys. What's the story behind that? For the NWA, uh, Coughlin is a big part of New Japan Strong and the American side of New Japan. Uh, I would put Coughlin over. Yeah, there is no story for this match. It's just the pre-show thing. Two men will fight. It's pre-show. Yeah. Hmm. So I'll go Coughlin Coughlin as well because I'm more familiar with him than Jail Kratos. Looking at them now, the Kratos guy, I'm assuming he just called himself that because he's like, yeah, I look a little bit like him. <laughs> I'll just do that. Uh, if Coughlin is more involved in New Japan, then that makes a little bit more sense then. I'll go with him too. I mean, they're both, I mean, they're both heavily involved in New Japan. They're both heavily of, involved in Strong, yeah. Yeah, like, they're, yeah they're, both, okay. they're both strong. So it's like Jail Kratos is, is part of a Team Filthy, which is like the big faction in New Japan Strong. Hmm. Who else is that? It's, it's led by Filthy, Filthy Tom Lawler, who's also on the uh, who's also on the card. Filthy Rules uh, fight, yeah. So there is also on the pre-show Bobby Fish against David Finley. Boy, let me tell you, this is not what I saw Bobby Fish doing when he joined AEW, and I thought they were former <laughs> the Undisputed Era. Um, still, Kyle and Adam are hurting, so you know, Fish can go around and. Make a name for himself. I'd put Finley over here. Because I think Finley is slated to have a breakout year. Fish yeah, could fin- win. He's still Fish. Yeah. Uh, F- Finley is the, the contracted New Japan talent. So I would be surprised if they had Bobby Fish go over. But, you know, it, again, it's pre-show. So it's not the end of the world either way. But I think they would go to Finley. And Bobby Fish is an established enough name that if he won, it wouldn't be the craziest thing. But he's also established himself as somebody who is not necessarily, it sounds kind of mean to say, but he's not the biggest deal. So it's not like you're bringing in like a Chris Jericho where it's like, yeah, okay, he's the outsider, but he's Chris fucking Jericho. 
it's Bobby Fish. I mean, he was the guy that would take the pinfall in the Undisputed Era matches, and he is kind of seemingly there to be like, oh, look, it's Bobby Fish, more so than I would assume they're building him up to be one of these next big challenger types. And from what I've seen and heard about Finley, it seems like he is somebody that they would be building a little bit more hype towards. So giving him a win over an established name, like a Bobby fish, easy, simple, go ahead and do it that way. Where's the lie. I thought you were going to say, where's the fish. I don't know why. (laughs) Maybe he swims upstream and he, you know, figures it out. There's an eight-man tag team match. Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexander, Alexander, I should say, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero against Kushida Volador Jr. Never heard that name before, I don't think. Kevin Knight and the DKC. Pretty sure I've heard of the DKC before, but maybe I'm mixing it up with Donkey Kong Country. Uh, he's been on guard. <laughs> <laughs> he's been on yeah, guard. <laughs> Yeah, so um, essentially, it's a collection of just some good baby faces. We've got like former Grand Metal League Mascara Dorada, he's mm-hmm. um, quite well associated with um, New Japan. He's also been wrestling some matches on like AEW Dark as well in the meantime. Josh Alexander's the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, so that's a big deal to get him on the show. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Adrian Quest. Rocky Romero is just eternal that's just he just seems to have been around forever at this point and then taking on Kushida who's great I've seen nothing wrong with uh, Kushida in a match Volador Jr talented guy I think he's um he's a nephew he's the nephew of uh La Parker Tony oh huh. yeah and not gonna Kevin- be in that um <laughs> the dynasty elements <laughs> and Kevin Knight and DKC are essentially young lines of the New Japan Strong so just put in again it's your very classic new japan eight-man tag which doesn't have any real stakes to it but they've got some good names on it i expect like considering there's more star power on the on the first team i'd imagine they would have dorada alexander quest and rocky romero get the victory i like the idea of kushida beating alexander and setting up match for the show on March 30th, but considering Alexander also has their commitments, I don't know if they'd be comfortable doing that. But since it's not like there's any money on this, I'm going to say Kushida beats Alexander. I obviously am not following New Japan stuff super in detail, but I'm also not following Impact. So is there anybody right now that Josh Alexander is feuding with that seems like a really big deal that they couldn't skirt around? So his current cha- upcoming challenger is Rich Swan. Right. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't seem like that would be something that they and could they'll be just having be like... a match next Friday at No Surrender. Mm-hmm. I think after that, the multiverse show. So you could do Kushida there. And then I think he loses the belt to the former Steve Cutler, Steve Macklin at uh, Rebellion. Sounds about right. Uh, but I'm going to go Alexander's team win in this one. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a fair call. But now I have the Donkey Kong rap in my head, so that's going to be going on throughout this entire podcast. I'm just going to have DK Donkey Kong in my head. Um, moving on from that, though, we've got another match here from somebody that uh, actually two people that I'm familiar with, so I can actually um, take part in that. Uh, Kenta 
is going to be fighting for the strong openweight championship against the current champion, Fred Rosser, who offhand might not be a name that is recognizable, but he is Darren Young from WWE. So I didn't know that he was in this system and I didn't know that he was holding a championship either, which is kind of surprising. He's not just holding a championship. He's holding the championship of New Japan Strong. He is Strong's world champion, essentially. Ah, I thought that was like maybe a mid-card belt. Well, it's a mid-card belt in the grand scheme of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but in terms of just their American contingent, he is the top guy. Huh. So, I wonder why they would go with that him. fucking crazy? Cause, <laughs> cause, well, because here's the thing, Tony. Like, you know him as Darren Young, and obviously, but he's been out of the system for several, several years, years now. And he is really, really good. Really? Yeah, he's great. Like, he ha- he's built up a really strong underdog character besides the fact that he is actually he's well built now he looks far more physically imposing than he did when he was in a wwe and but he has a nice like affable babyface characteristic about him i mean tom lawler who was the inaugural strong point champion held that title for close to two years i think Hmm. it's definitely a very long time and fred rosser is the guy that beat him so fred rosser is only the second strong open white champion but yeah i mean he's been having good matches i don't think there is as much buzz around strong as when tom lawler was the champion which is a bit of a it's, it's slightly disappointing but you know it's um it's not the overall biggest promotion I was, i'm just checking yeah so so tom lawler became a was a champion for just over a year so i was a bit short of like the the two-year mark but he was there for over a year and fred ross is approaching a year as champion well actually approaching 234 days recognized because they do the tapings thing so it's a take delay thing so realist in in real terms he's been champion for nearly a year he's currently realistically only champion for 234 days he's already defended the title six times but this is probably the biggest test that he's facing because kenta's so well established like that you could realistically say yeah kenta could take this title and be the strong open champion bring that back to bullet club be over in the states for a little while defend it in strong and then defend it on regular new japan shows yeah yeah exactly yeah so so it's hard to call this one i think that i would lean just towards rossa for now because i don't think he's having a bad rain by any stretch of imagination and i don't know whether they would see a huge amount of value with essentially making a primarily new japan guy the strong openweight champion if that means that it's gonna be it's gonna have less emphasis to strong like is kenta gonna be able to appear every single week or is he gonna be able to be on multiple shows does he want to go back and forth that often it's hard to say so my gut instinct is to go for the guy who's gonna definitely still be with strong week in week out at this point I'm going to say Kenta. I'm going to go with Kenta as well, and I'll tell you why. They're revamping Strong a little bit. A better way to do a revamp than a champion. But I want to see this match. I want to see Fred Rosser in a very competitive environment. I don't get to watch as much Strong as I would like. But I'm glad to see that guys like him and Matt Cardona are able to shed the skin of their, you know, WWE jobber selves and do something really great with their careers. 
I'm really curious now to check him out since it has been however many years and I haven't seen him outside of WWE to see what I've been missing out on. So even if I am not watching this live during our post show for Elimination Chamber or something, I'll probably go back and try to check it out and see what's up. But yeah, I'm going to go Kenta because why not? <laughs> like, like Rob said, there's no money on the line for this. So let's go Kenta. Let's talk about the strong open weight tag team championship match. The Motor City Machine Guns defending against the West Coast wrecking crew of Joral Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Not familiar with the WCWC, but obviously I know the Motor City Machine Guns, and I'm just going to say that they retain because they're the Motor City Machine Guns. <laughs> I think the Machine Guns should retain as well because they're having a great run. I think they're having a very underrated run because... Impact doesn't get a lot of spotlight, but they're as good as ever. Honestly, they could go to WWE right now and still have the dream matches. They could go to AEW right now, still have the dream matches, you know? So It's so weird that they didn't go to NXT, isn't it? Shelly did the one match, didn't he? Just one match with Kushida. Yeah, pretty weird. They seem like they would have been like prime for that black and gold era of NXT. And it's so weird that they didn't go. Um, not everyone wants to be part of the the same system. Yeah, it just seems like that would have been the perfect time for them. And I mean, so many other people did that. It's curious why that didn't happen. I'd, I'd say they're likely to. I would say they're likely to retain. Yeah, three votes for them yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is also part of the reason why I think the Ross is retaining is that they're putting the their quote unquote world title match on before their tag title match. So I just don't think if there was going to be a title change, they surely you would put that on slightly later in the card. Could be the case. I can, I can. Well, that doesn't necessarily. Is this the like the full lineup exactly how yeah, they're going no. to probably do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, always exactly. present. They like always, that. yeah. They they always tell you what the card lineup is match uh, by match by match. Yeah. So and that's the really good thing about this company. I wish other companies thought it's great to know exactly what you're getting when you're going to get it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that could be a little bit of a spoiler. True. So when we talk about the Jay White and Eddie Kingston match, this is Loser Leaves New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this is going to tie into another hot tag, and we're going to kind of combine our efforts a little bit here because Jay White had recently lost his Loser Leaves, New, uh, Loser Leaves Japan match. And what you guys are filling me in ahead of time was since people were kind of working with the idea of, well, maybe that means that there's a loophole here. Maybe he just works for New Japan Strong. And that doesn't mean that he's not still contracted by the same company anymore. What It was the, a podcast that they had gone on to do this angle. Is that so, right? So they, so they went on Wrestling Observer Live, which is obviously one of the biggest wrestling radio shows. Uh, Brian Alvarez is hosting, hosts it. And then they were essentially both on the call with each other. And so they got into a heated argument, as you would do to build up this kind of match. Uh, Jay White said that he would put up his, essentially, when it says loser leaves New Japan, they've added like the caveat into it, which is if Jay White loses, he's out of New Japan entirely, which means he can't fight for strong and he can't go back to Japan. And then if he defeats Eddie Kingston, then he, Kingston essentially needs White's permission to wrestle in New Japan going forward. So essentially telling the story that Kingston would become Jay White's bitch, essentially. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that adds a bit of an extra layer to this match. I think it makes the outcome fairly predictable. 
if it wasn't predictable enough already. But you know, that's how that they were doing to just like tie a bow in this because it seems pretty obvious that Jay White is is going to either WWE or AEW. I'd be like, surprise, I'm going to CZW. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's I, have some fun. Where do you want to see Jay White go? I don't really know the answer to that question, actually. Can you imagine your answer is WWE? Because well, it's interesting because Jay White's one of those guys that I haven't seen too many matches of, but every match that I've seen of his, I've been like, okay, there's definitely a lot of value there. He's definitely really good in the ring. He's got presence to him, and. Fundamentally, he fits the AEW style better. Nope. I will see. This is where I get into it. He fits the AEW style better in my mind when it comes to like he's an indie darling. He's an indie darling. He's somebody who is coming from New Japan. He's got a lot of tie-ins with like the Bullet Club, and that's of course, you know, the Bullet Club is a much bigger presence in. I, it sounds kind of weird to say, but since you've got the elite, they're a bigger presence in AEW than it is the place that's calling the club and the OC and has Finn Balor and whatnot. But I feel like, you know, if he goes to AEW, he's just another one of those guys. He's just another Kenny Omega on the card and they've got enough of them. Whereas if he goes to WWE, suddenly he's another AJ Styles in WWE. And obviously he is somebody who's not, uh, you know, a, a 21 year old, but he's only 30. So he's not a guy that you're going to be bringing into WWE and he's going to be 38 and he's past his prime already. And you're just bringing him in for name recognition or anything. He could be somebody that you actually start building towards a really top spot for. And I could see Jay white against a Cody Rhodes in the main event for a title match. I could see him against AJ styles. I could see him against, uh, you know, I mean, there's a laundry list of different people that he would have a hell of a match with. So I do lean more towards WWE just because I do watch WWE more and I am more of a WWE fan than an AEW fan. But both scenarios, he's got lots of people he can work with. It's just that I think the WWE could use him more. So there's no guarantee that if he came in for a one-off in AEW that he couldn't just then go to WWE. I think that's important to say. I've seen some... People suggest that he should be the guy to fight Adam Cole at Revolution. They were in that four-way, so there's a bit of tie-in there. Is but Cole even, like, officially ready to go? I didn't think that he was. He must be, was. since they're really, you know, saying he's getting ready for his return match. Hmm. And they kept him off TV for so long that he must be ready to go. Um, Callum, you can tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm overstating here, but... uh. I think Jay White is the perfect person to have when you don't know if Randy Orton is going to wrestle ever, let alone on a full-time basis ever again. And I just think Jay White is what WWE needs right now because we need some guys who want to be full-time guys. That's why we need Cody Rhodes as champion right now. That's why we need to start rebuilding a full-time roster that people can invest in. Because I think while it was, you know, it worked very well for them for the last 10 years, but relying on the part-timers, I think that era should be phased out and we should have at least 
four or five top guys that could make a backlash feel as big as a Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's time, and I think Jay White can be a huge part of that. Also, Jay White got into wrestling and decided he wanted to be a wrestler watching The Miz beat John Cena. Really? And I think, I think that there is something there where you just got to laugh and go, well, if The Miz, you know, influenced this guy, uh, then I think that Jay White should have the chance to run down The Miz. That's that a little. That's the first thing. That's. I, to I was going to say that's a little surprising. That's really surprising. Well, Not only is well, that you know kind of shocked to me to be like, the Miz against John Cena is the one for Jay White because he doesn't have that style to me that would you know I well, want like, to try he, to be the Miz. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Like you're completely wrong in your assessment of him being an indie darling guy. He does have that style. <laughs> yeah, he is, no no he's not an indie he's not an indie guy. He doesn't wrestle an indie style, like. To suggest that he's an indie because he works for New Japan, you know, the, the biggest promotion in in Japan is like a very probably uh, better off saying very, 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 very big stretch to say. Um, he wrestles like a WWE guy. He wrestles to a story style matchup which involves a lot of um, stalling around the ring, a <laughs> lot of heel shtick, a lot of manager interference, a lot of low blows and stuff like that. He doesn't wrestle an indie style at all. He wrestles a very pure, simple WWE style. He does it very, very well, and he mixes up very well with guys that do the more indie or more interesting. You, you'd say the more like bell to bell compelling style of wrestling, and that's what makes him so good. Like out of all the people that does re- do wrestle that style, he's definitely at the very towards the very top of it. But I would say like if you would compare it, like who does he wrestle more like? Kenny Omega or Roman Reigns. He wrestles more like Roman Reigns. Because hmm. he's he's slow, he's methodical. He's very he talks during like he talks to his opponents during matches, he plays to the crowd. He's very, very not like a Just an, another like a, an Okada or yeah. Well yeah, I mean Okada's Okada's like Okada a good blend between two. Okada I always uh we'll obviously talk about him slightly later, but Okada I say is like is a great chameleon like style wrestler whereas he essentially adapts to whatever opponent he's facing and just says okay you want to wrestle an indie match wrestle an indie match you want to wrestle an, a more story driven match wrestle a story driven match you want to just beat the shit out of each other we'll beat the shit out of each other that's essentially a card just does what everyone else does and then does it almost better than they do that's that's just always been a card of secret <laughs> and why it's so good uh jay white is very i say he's definitely not one note and if he if he wants to pull out some flashier stuff he definitely can do so but he is very he's very much his style is so much more aligned with what WWE does than what AEW does. I mean, so, you, obviously you guys have been much more familiar with I mean, him. The yeah. the way that I've seen Jay White over the years, it's been mostly against those quote unquote indie darling type guys. So if he's blending in with their style, that's where the bleed over comes in for me, I guess. I mean like I said, and I, I misspoke as well. I would say that the term should probably be in this case, internet darling. Because the internet does love him because of where he works and the bullet club aspect. But uh, go ahead. Uh, I'd say I'd say there's that's a little bit it, for people. You know the the smart fans. That's what the ones that really like the bell to bell stuff. And I'll say I count myself as part of that as well. But um, there's always a lot of blowback towards Jay White because he wrestles such a WWE style that's so littered with interference and stalling and bullshit that people just say, "Yeah, this guy's like go away heat for me." in new japan because 
you associate New Japan with great wrestling. It's like bell to bell, fight, 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 all that stuff. And uh, especially like, well, that, essentially Bullet Club was there to change that for the first place. Like the whole concept of Bullet Club was to be the people coming in and doing more of the DQ finishes and the more cheat to win aspects. And JY is the um, epitome of that. And that's why a lot of people were kind of, I'd say there's a there's a good proportion of people that are glad to see the back of him in New Japan. The traditionalists, reason. kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'd, I, I, I can't really criticize people for wanting to watch just good wrestling all the time and don't want to deal with the bullshit that Bullet Club brings. Because fr- frankly, it does get very tiresome sometimes that every single Bullet Club match, if the Bullet Club person's going to win, you know how it's going to end, which is the rest going to go down. Or they're going to hit a low blow behind the referee's back and roll him up. So it's like, yeah, I just want to sometimes just see two, two people fight and see who's the better out of those two and then just move on. Mm. But, y- you know, this match, he, this match, because he's now essentially got no alignment, essentially, I assume this will just be a straight up match. He'll still try and do his bullshit thing because he is still a heel and Eddie Kingston is beloved. Uh, but you have Kingston get the victory. Jay White is out of it. And then you've got an interesting. Don- a scenario where of course that JY could just be that could just be his ticket out of New Japan and then straight into WWE. Absolutely. But it could also be that if Eddie Kingston beats him, that's a built in story for him to go to AEW with. Right. And I mean the fact that he's working with somebody from AEW could be a little bit of a spoiler that maybe that is the case and he's going to AEW. He obviously mm-hmm. has a connection with Adam Cole. He obviously has the the Kenny Omegas and uh, the young bucks and everybody that like there's a built in synergy for that. And it would be an easier transition. I would think than for Jay white to just be like, and I'm going to WWE completely cold, but well, not cold. I shouldn't say that. like he would be like a hot act that they would go nuts over, but like it would just kind of seem like he hopped to the opposite side of the fence kind of, but, but like to answer just the original question of like, where he, where should he end up and me saying i don't know the issue that i face is the fact that despite knowing how good a wrestler that he is i don't think AEW needs him because they've got too many guys as it is that are trying to take up like a, a comparatively small window of television but no nothing really interests me about him going to wwe either like of course you're gonna do the aj styles match you're just gonna use that to build oh, oh you two used to be part of the same club even though you weren't there at the same time at any point you never interacted before but that's fine we'll exactly. try and try and build up some kind of story about that and finn balor as well but once you get through you know once you spend like well considering how the judgment day feud revenge is going on once you get the first year out of the way of him <laughs> just feuding with the same guys over and over again where do you go from that point and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he could do some really cool stuff in WWE, and he's young, and so he's going to be around for a while. But frankly, like, I'm kind of over the whole guy comes in, has a good first, like, impression debut, and then he's fighting Dolph Ziggler in three weeks. It's like, you just know that's always the way that it's going to be, just having a two, a three-star match on an episode, on your random episode of Raw. And it's just like, and then he's going to fight The Miz, and that'll go on forever, and it's like, and again... This is me coming from the perspective of you saying you're a w, more of a WWE fan than an AEW fan. This comes from the perspective of a guy who's an AEW fan more than a WWE fan. Right. And just thinking, like I, that's what I assume is going to happen with Jay White if he goes to WWE, because I've seen it way too many times before, and nothing that Triple H, his regime has showed me, will change that, has changed that point of view. But, uh, like I say, like, my ideal scenario is 
they go back in time all week and they have Hikuleo lose that match instead because I think that Jay White <laughs> is more important for a New Japan pro wrestling than he would be for either WWE or AEW. But at the end of the day, he should he should be making his money where he wants to make it. And if he wants to work in America to build up his presence there, because even though New Japan does have a following in America, it's nowhere near the size of either WWE or AEW, then essentially he can't make a wrong decision. For me, he can't make a wrong decision because in the same token, for me, he can't make a right decision either. Hmm. Yeah, I have a... I live in the fantasy world where you take Cody and you take a Jay White, you just, again, you start rebuilding this roster. Start phasing out the Zigglers and the Mizzes and the people like that. And let's just shake things up completely to where it's not like, okay, what does he do after he faces Balor? Well, he can face, I don't know, a breaker or, a, you know, anybody, just anybody that doesn't have the tie to the, well, you were big in Japan too sweet brother. Cause I'm over that storytelling in WWE as well, because I don't think they ever executed it well, you know? And I think that Jay White is probably more valuable to WWE than AEW at this point in time. Because AEW needs to get their ducks in a row. Because the fact that Miro just can't get on TV is stupid. You know, like, they need to fix themselves. And I don't think throwing in another guy at the top of the pile helps. Yeah, it's one of the issues that is with AEW that people always complain about when it comes to WWE. But then it's taken until pretty recently for people to realize it's the same issue with AEW is the bloated roster idea. Cause you know, Brian Danielson against Jay white. Sure. I'm a hundred percent down to see that Jay white against Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's about 20 guys that could realistically be the champion in AEW. And it would make perfect sense like page and Cole I should specify Adam Page and Adam Cole <laughs> instead of some of the other ones. Um, and you've got the people like the Darby Allens and the Jungle Boys that people want to be seeing head up towards that spot and MJF and people are still holding out hope for CM Punk and, uh, you know, you got Omega and, and so on and so forth. All these other people. When's the last time Keith Lee did anything? <laughs> you know? well, that's a guy that's just kind of... Rampage. Sitting around, and what's he doing on Rampage? Spoiler. You can spoil it. Earmuffs, kids. He's returning, and he's attacking mobile affiliates. Attacking who? Mobile affiliates. affiliates. Yeah. Uh, oh, so he's just he's just still feuding with uh, Swerve then. So he's done. Well, they never they never did anything with it. Like the Swerve yeah. just so like, Swerve just took Keith Lee out with a brick. Well, put his head for a brick, and then Keith Lee went off TV. I mean, so, the idea of like he's still just he went from I'm tagging with Swerve and I don't like him for like three months or whatever it was to now I'm coming back and we're feud. like he's only been with Swerve basically. I he, do think we need to address this very quickly because this is a when Tony says he's still doing this, Tony just means they've been involved with one another for so long because you know you've said that a lot lately with like Judgment Day where it's like. Somebody can point to you and say, well, theoretically, Edge and Balor only fought one-on-one once. But you feel like, no, I've seen it enough because it's been 
nine months of a story. Yeah, because I look at it this way and I say, to use an analogy for the MCU, I'm like, yeah, we've got one Hulk movie. But you mean to tell me that Hulk hasn't been in seven movies? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> people be like, he technically only had Incredible Hulk. And it's like, yeah, but he went through all these story arcs. It's a fucking, you know, it's it's semantics. Yeah, like all those yeah. people, you know, I mean, they're not that long ago. There was a push for why isn't Scorpio's guy heading up towards the main event or why isn't uh, even if this, you know, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but even like a Tony Neese comes in and it's like, oh, he could be a mid card champion or something. And he's completely been just all right. No, you are very much in the exact same spot you were in WWE. T- tell me, tell me one person that said that. Tony Nee should be a mid card champion. I'll show you a lawyer. Essentially, I'll, I'll... <laughs> you don't because think they like... would just be the same person? <laughs> Look, Tony Nee is the type of guy though that he was in a certain spot in WWE, and then at a you know a couple years ago or so, AEW was the big fish in a small pond roster, and a Tony Nee would have made a bigger splash, but he happened to go in when. He was like, okay, well, you know, you got a big enough roster that, yeah, you're not going to be as big of a deal. And Jay White, realistically, he could come in. He could win the title. He could be the champion. Obviously, we all expect MJF is going to be holding that belt until well into the end of 2023, if not 2024 or longer. But if Jay White were to come to the AEW and to win that title, I don't think anybody would really bat an eye. But then again, the same would be the case for Brian Danielson. The same would be the case for Kenny Omega to win it again. The same would be the case for 20 other people. So I'll put it like this. For me, there's about half dozen matches Jay White could have right now in AEW. That would be like, yep, I want to see it. But I, I just feel mm. like, please go to WWE. WWE needs you. They need... In the same way that AJ Styles, and I'm not saying he's where AJ Styles was because there was a lot more, you know, history there and legacy there, but in the same way that AJ completely added another top name to the roster that gave Roman an opponent and Cena an opponent, we desperately need that with Jay White. But you got to have an opponent. You got to have an opponent. <laughs> and Jay White could be that opponent. So the other part of the story to talk about here is we're all assuming Jay White loses this match. Eddie Kingston is able to still work New Japan and whatever, and and that Jay White's just going somewhere. Whether it's AEW or it's WWE, there's still more discussion about maybe WWE is looking for somebody else. And these ideas that they have, quote-unquote, some other free agent in mind that's in play. That apparently is so much bigger than Jay White that they're not even thinking about it. That's Which, the way. I, who the hell would I that be? It's, I haven't it's seen Omega. the reports. Yeah, it's Omega. I, I think, Omega. given everything I've seen, that Sean Ross Sapp is like, Omega contract news coming and all this. It has to be that Omega's deal's coming up. Because I think it is up, isn't it? This this month or whatever. Well, well, it was supposed to originally run out in February of 2023, but we don't know if there was any kind of embedded extension. From the injuries to it, whether that was prior to, whether that was even prior to beforehand, or whether it was supposed to be up this month, um, yeah. So, I mean, fundamentally, that to be a priority for AEW. I know it would be a bigger priority for WWE as well, but this is the one that 
AEW need to. If you lose Jay White to re-sign Kenny Omega, then that's what you do. That's the sacrifice you make. Because Kenny mm-hmm. Omega's... You Kenny cannot Omega's lose... You cannot lose Kenny Omega. Especially after Kenny. losing Cody. Then it just makes it seem like everybody's jumping shit. Then it, then it yeah. becomes... Okay, so what's wrong there if two of the four founding fathers decided to split? And we'll, well, you, you we'll come Kenny, right back to this. We'll come right back to this in a second, but just to, to toss it out there, because I know we're going to bounce around. Kota Ibushi is talking about that he could potentially be interested in popping up in WWE. And obviously, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi have their partnership stuff. And then, as you just said, there's the Young Bucks and everything. And Cody Rhodes recently just said, like, yeah, you know, working together as EVPs was straining our relationship, but I'm still close with those guys and all. And it's not outside the realm of possibility <laughs> these guys end up leaving. And yeah, end up in WWE. All it could be all of them. It could be Jay White, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks eventually, Kota Ibushi. When's the Young Bucks uh, contracts coming no, up? No, the Young Bucks would be the ones that I would say will never leave. I think that they're closer because I think Matt Jackson was the first one to make the connection with Tony. Could be wrong. I feel like I remember hearing that. And I think that the Young Bucks are a bit more protective of. Listen, we don't care for the Young Bucks. We know what you fucking people do with tag teams. No, thank you. You know, there's, there's always that potential, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Like, because if they were to go over to WWE as a trio, presumably they couldn't call themselves the Elite. Because I would assume that Tony Khan owns the rights to the, the Elite. I'm almost after that. dead certain that the Elite own the Elite. Okay. That's that. Well, that's even more of an issue then. But it's not like he's going to change the name from All Elite Wrestling and then you've got the Elite on the other show. And so. now it's Ring of Honor. Yeah, they own the Elite. Mm. And they have owned the Elite since uh, August 2021. They applied mm. for, for merchandise. Okay. So, yeah, well, they have. They I have mean, it. It, it could. It, even that, we could be in a situation where maybe AEW does change its name. I highly, 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 highly Ring doubt of Honor it. Wrestling, but I mean, it could be Ring of Honor in the future. It could be like, well, you know what? We decided that we're going to do a hard reset and whatever. Because remember, Tony Khan didn't want to call it all elite wrestling. He wanted to call it what was it? World's greatest wrestling or world's best wrestling? World's best that wrestling. Because he CM Punk. But if he gets rid of the elite, then CM Punk might stick around because. That's the issue, is you know. Well, I, I think we're we're really missing the big story here, and that's Tony Khan finds another guy who's got a few billion dollars, and Tony Khan just owns WWE, and now we don't have to worry about <laughs> anything. <laughs> so uh, we're, you guys we're, were thinking here, but, to yeah. to go back and circle back to around it. You guys think that the quote unquote major free agent is Kenny Omega, not necessarily anybody else, right? Yeah, because. If you awesome. if you got yeah you got to quantify like if this guy is supposed to be like so much bigger than Jay White and Jay White's like no small fish, no Bobby Fish. Either. Yeah, I was but, just uh, gonna try to formulate a Bobby Fish joke. But um, I think that I think that it, it has to be Omega. Omega's one of the biggest names in all of wrestling, so like that's the only person that you could assume whose contract is potentially up soon. That's the only person that. Like is a is a real game changer if he goes in the same way that Cody was a real game changer when he went. Unless they bought out, unless it's like, fuck it, CM Punk. And I just I don't see CM Punk going to WWE. No, I don't think that there's almost any chance, especially with like Rollins being like your friggin' cancer and <laughs> history with Triple H and all. I 
You know, it's maybe there's they think that they can buy out MJF's contract. But there's so many different ways they can go though, because like I, I don't think that I couldn't possibly predict whether Omega resigns with AEW or he goes to WWE. I don't know where the position with the Young Bucks is. I don't know whether there's still that real that serious animosity between CM Punk and the Elite, or whether they're just working it now and they've worked it out and they're just f- fanning the fire. So once it comes back, it's an even hotter rivalry, and they're going to work together afterwards. Whether that's a big part of FTR resigning, whether they're going, it's like there's there's so many different ways to go, and that is the beauty of having two major wrestling promotions in North America is because you have all this intrigue now, and it's it's exciting and it's different, and it's so much further away than what it was in the past, where it's like okay, there's a big guy getting up, getting big on the indies. When is he eventually signing for WWE or going to NXT? And that was essentially the only discussion that you would have. Now you've got a lot of intrigue with people going between the promotions and bidding wars between them. And essentially what it boils down to to me is Tony Khan just needs to give Kenny and the Bucks whatever they want, really. Yeah. They're too important to that promotion for them to go. And if and essentially if what they want is for them to fire CM Punk, then maybe they just have to bite the bullet and do that. Now you mentioned, oh. of course, the idea of... Um... Dax Harwood and uh, Cash Wheeler coming over to WWE and all. It's another hot tag for us to loop in with this is that he, he being Dax, had shared a photo of his like setup for everything and some, I think it was whiskey. And there was a piece of paper with the WWE logo on it, which of course, you know that that is going to get people to speculate on, hey, is that a contract? Is that something going on with the WWE return along those lines? Is it just a royalty check? You know, you're just cashing in your 16 cents that you got from some T-shirt that was sold in San Diego or, you know, like it could be a lot of different things. But at the very least, he obviously is playing the game of trying to get people to talk about that. So maybe it's not the biggest hot tag to talk about because maybe it is just a guy's fucking around and trolling. But there's a possibility. We know that their contracts are in that sort of muddy range around April. The Kota Ibushi thing. I don't know how much stock I would put into that, but if he says that he would certainly work with WWE and that he is interested in the idea of training people at the performance center and having high profile matches, I mean, he could get that kind of somewhat of a legend deal type thing where it's like you come in, you don't work the house show circuit and basically kill yourself by being on the road all the time. And you get these big high profile things and you could be a, a star and all that. Yeah. A lot of this is speculative and a lot of this is like, all right, you're going down a bunch of different rabbit holes and everything, but in the course of a couple weeks or so, we could have a lot of things changing. There's also the, the Hikaleo thing and um, Tamatanga that they are apparently like looking into. Tamatanga just said, I think it was to Tokyo sports. Yeah. They're knocking on my door and I might just answer and say hello. So Uh, (laughs) there could be a lot of changes to different rosters coming up pretty soon. And also I love that because as I've said several times now, new Japan needs a refresh. WWE needs a refresh. AEW, I genuinely think, just needs to find its identity after the mess of last year, and I think they're doing an okay job of that. I don't know if they need to muddy the waters. And we might as well talk about it because it is something related to it, and it's not going to be one of our big hot tags or anything, but uh, Carl Fredericks, apparently a part of New Japan in the past. 
He has a joined NXT. It's going to be Eddie Thorpe. Should I know Carl Fredericks? No, well, I guess you not. Should. No. Yeah, you should. But no. if anybody watches New Japan, they should. And uh, it seems like they're starting him off on level up, which I hate. He's going to wrestle Dante Chen. I assume he beats him. I haven't looked at the spoilers. Tony, you posted the spoilers. Does he beat him? I don't remember. <laughs> he doesn't remember the spoilers. I would push Carl. I'm pretty Fredericks sure that he win. wins. Um, yes, he does. Know, if you can't, yeah, I was gonna say if you can't beat Dante Chen, then like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing what he does in WWE. I like the name Eddie Thorpe. I don't, I don't know. I just, I like the idea of okay, let's get some names in here, and it's not as bland as Jacob Novak. I don't know why that was the one. I thought Jacob Novak was a shitty name. I'm not a big uh, fan of the Eddie Thorpe name. I've, the amount of times I've typed it out recently, and I forget to add the e or the i i type eddie thrope or i type uh, eddie with an ie or yeah um, i'm not I used to it a lot of eddie's with, eddie with the ie yeah which i thought was because uh, i mean that's normally how most people end up it'd be like if i spelled tony with an i it would just be like okay you're trying to be well, something a little bit different <laughs> um yeah but i think it's cool i'm glad he's there i'm i hope they push him to the moon nxt also needs a refresh I, I'm in full fucking hit the reset button. <laughs> That's where I'm looking at the wrestling rosters right now. Where is Roger Strong? You know, what's funny is uh, I had recently wrote up a thing about the people that were announced. Uh, this isn't, I mean, technically speaking, we could have made it a hot tag, but I don't see the reason why the WWE 2K 23 roster had been released. And I put up something up on EWN for anybody who's interested of a breakdown of everybody who is on the roster in some capacity, whether they're like a a next in line recruit or they're somebody in NXT or something, all the people that aren't listed as being part of the roster. And there aren't many people that don't make sense because most of them that aren't on the roster for the game are just like some NXT people and stuff. And Obviously, you've got like a Carmelo Hayes and you got a Braun Breaker that are in the mat, uh, in the roster, but somebody like uh, Joe Gacy isn't. Could be a DLC, but you're going to prioritize the bigger names. And Core Jade being in there makes a lot more sense than somebody like, say, uh, Brooklyn Barlow. But funny enough, I mean, like Naomi's not in there, which is another example of like, eh, maybe she is probably just gone. But Roderick Strong's not, and he's been gone for so long that I'm like, they probably were just setting out his contract. I don't think we're going to see Roderick Strong anymore. I don't either, and that's really sad. But you know what? Go to AEW and do your thing over there. You know? Part of the reset button. Why not? It's like he's going to be world champion on Monday Night Raw by 2024. Yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of, hey, let's get Kyle healthy. Let's get body back there and let's uh let's just do what we planned on doing let's do the undisputed era versus mm-hmm. the elite if they still have them <laughs> <laughs> what if that ends up being the case that the uh the undisputed era leaves to go to aew and then by the time they're all healthy and stuff the elite comes to wwe and then it's like they're just playing phone tag kind of so sean rossap did just put out a report on fightful select that will long be everywhere else by the time people hear this. Um, that AEW does have the option of 
adding injury time to Omega's contract. But, you know, nobody's added anything official yet. It is worth noting that Kenny did have good discussions with Triple H in 2018 before they ultimately decided to form AEW because there was that moment. They've all talked about it where they said, oh, shit, we might all be going to WWE. And I think Kenny is WrestleMania worthy. I think doing the gunpoint at the WrestleMania sign, it's just a money visual. So much so that Cody nearly did it. Um, I, I think Omega could work. I just don't think AEW works without Omega. He was such a big part of it that I could never see him leaving unless it was to retire. Well, obviously, the Battle in the Valley thing is not going to determine all of these different people coming to different companies. That's going to be happening over the course of several weeks and months and maybe even a year or longer. But to wrap this topic up and come back and talk about some other matches that are on there, gun to your head, whether it's from Kenny Omega or not. Prediction for right now, it's the uh, the 17th of... February. Where does Jay White go? WWE. Yeah, I'd say WWE. I'm going to say WWE too, even though I I feel like that's a, a fool's thing for me to say because I we go, ah, it's obviously AEW, motherfucker. God, yeah. Do you think AEW keeps the elite? Yes. Yeah. I think so as well. Do you think that AEW keeps FTR? Yes. Yes. I'm on the fence about that. I, I I think that they're waiting until there's something of an announcement from selling WWE. But I had previously thought they were going to WWE, so I might stick with uh, with that. Uh, Kota Ibushi going to WWE, going to AEW. AEW, if they're keeping the elite, I'd say. I'm on but the I'm, fence. I, but, I, but I don't think he's signing for anyone permanently. Okay, I would throw in that qualifier as well and say that I think they're going to try to pitch him to be a big part of NXT Japan, but ultimately he'll go with wherever Kenny goes, which I said was AEW, so probably AEW. I'm going to stick with AEW as well. Um, the NXT Japan thing, I didn't think about that. That might be one of those like, hey, do you want to be the the guy over there? That'd be pretty uh, pretty interesting. And then you can train and then, you know, like... Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that for all we know, that could be the thing that Makes him make the switch. I, I don't want to. I, I can't speak for him because obviously I don't know the guy. But I would probably say that the way that his relationship with New Japan ended, as if if that was me, it probably would. As a guy who previously prior to signing with New Japan permanently had been very anti signing signing with a promotion for a long term period of time and just being a freelancer, I think that the way that experience ended with him would probably not want him to be permanently tied to one place moving forward. Maybe. Fair point. So let's go back to this Battle in the Valley uh, card. This is one of those interesting episodes of the hot tags that we're <laughs> we're using a through line throughout this, but it works pretty well. Filthy Tom Lawler is going up against Homicide in a filthy rules fight, which I'm assuming is basically their equivalent of just like an ODQ match, right? Or is there yeah, I mean, like, special, do- specific like, rules? 
I don't, I, I'm not aware if there are specific rules to a filthy rules fight. I think that I think that it probably is just a no DQ thing because New Japan doesn't do many of those types of matches. So I think they're just giving. I will it read a you night. the rules as we go here. Okay. Filthy rules fight. Ring ropes are taken down. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, I forgot that it's very much like um, very much like oh what a blood sport. And that means you know, neither man can get a rope break. The referee's only there to count a pinfall submission or knockout. I'm going to say Guilty Tom wins. Same here. I like Tom Waller. I think he should be on TV every week. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Tom Waller is, is an excellent wrestler. He's a great entertainer as well. I think that, yeah, I, I think that he is one of New Japan Strong's like top guys. I think that he was in the G1 last year. I think it's a very good safe bet that he'll be in the G1 this year. And Homicide, Homicide is obviously has got a great name value to him, but he must be towards like the very twilight of his career, in ring career at this point. I mean, how old is he now? He's he's only forty five, so he's actually not. He's Bobby Fish's older than he is, so I guess I can't really say. Yeah, I mean, like that. he's he's in prime AJ Styles years. What are you talking about? Yeah, no. yeah I guess I guess like it's. Yeah, you never know with uh, the wrestling side of things, but he's not been like super prominently pushed in any promotion outside of NWA for a while now. So I he's think also that an agent there. So I think yeah. it's a safe bet to put Lawler over. Yeah, absolutely. There is a New Japan Wrestling World Television Championship match. Clark Connors trying to win that from Zack Saber Jr. Not going to, I'm assuming. And he's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but fundamentally, like the last time I saw Clark Connors on a US show was Forbidden Door, and he went in as a guy that nobody knew who he was, just replacing Tom Hiroishi as the New Japan representative in the first All Atlantic Championship match, and he got super over in that one match. So I think that he could do the same thing here against Zack Sabre Jr. I'm a big fan of this World Television Championship. I love the 15 minute time limit, the fact that it does encourage wrestlers to speed up a little bit and try and fit everything within that. Like for the challenger in particular, it's the incentive is super high to do it as, a, as an extra like fresh dynamic too, because most top New Japan championship matches have an hour time limit. So you can basically just be methodical and tell that long-term story. Whereas this one, especially for the challenger, for the champion, it's a case of well, 15 minutes and it ends and if end and draw, I retain. So they can, try and stall and try and hold them down just especially for a guy like Zach Sabre Jr. who's so um, focused on great submission holds and basically wearing opponents down he can essentially just keep them in knots for the whole 15 minutes and then win by a draw over and over again by a time limit draw Uh, but for the other guy it always has to be super frantic and we have to just beat this guy down as quickly as possibly can to get the make sure that we can beat him within the 15 minutes so I'm 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 super keen on this title being placed, but I don't think it's Zach's dropping it just yet. He only just won it at uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, so I think they're going to give him a a decent reign to start off with. Now I do think that we are getting a title change when it comes to the IWGP Women's Championship, and I think everybody in the world agrees on this one. Mercedes Monet is beating Kyrie. Hmm. You don't think I it's think as it's, uh, it's- foregone of a conclusion? No, because she signed with she is signed in New Japan. I mean, there is a story you can tell of Kyrie winning the first match, 
Mercedes getting absolutely pissed about it, beating the shit out of her, and then getting a rematch at a show at a later date. Like, fully establishing her as a heel at that point. So, I think that... I think that the very it's very much more likely. I'm definitely like eighty twenty on Mercedes winning the title and that being the the star making performance. Because at the end of the day, she sold out this building. Like so, obviously there's a lot of other great matches on it, but it was sold out with just this match announced. So she's done a fantastic job there. But I think that there it's not a hundred percent in my mind that she wins the title in her first match. Again, you can tell the story of the fact that like she hasn't wrestled for a year, pretty much. So there's ring rust at that side of things. Kyrie can just catch her cold, and then Mercedes gets pissed. Better go longer than Kyrie did at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, forgive me. Was it Tam Nakano she wrestled? Yeah, that only went like six minutes. Yeah, yeah. and it was a great sprint, but it was too short. Yeah. So this... but... Go ahead. I was like, then, yeah, this will definitely be have to be a longer match and give them a bit more time to breathe. I think that they went so quick in the last one just because they were so focused on doing the Mercedes entrance and getting that to take most of the time. So, yeah, they'll they'll give them more time and we'll see how like Mercedes' new style is. Hopefully, she's perfected that finisher that she fucked up in the at Wrestle Kingdom. But. Uh, or, or she fucked up. I say both of them fucked up. Hopefully they know how to do it with each, <laughs> between each other now. And um, but yeah, I, I like gun to my head. I'm definitely going Mercedes winning the title. I'm just uh, I want. I, I still think there is room for doubt there though. As far as uh, Kazuchika Kata defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship I, I didn't against, say it, but I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Sasha. Going. Yeah, she has, to, <laughs> she has to win. Like she. This is the kickstart of that division. It's the kickstart of her new journey. I think she should win. And if she doesn't, it's not the end of the world. It's just the way that I would start it all off. It'd be very flat if they built this whole thing up and then she lost. And then they needed to kind of go back and be like, well, we're going to rebuild that. And I think that would just sort of turn people off. And it all depends on how good the match is, too, because maybe the match is great. And then if she loses, you don't feel as bad. But if it's mm. a meh match and then she loses, that's two flat appearances in a row. Because I think the large consensus was the Tokyo Dome debut fell a little flat. So I think she needs the strong win here. Pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> well, same boat when it comes to the other thing, though. Uh, Akata, I would assume, is not dropping that belt to Tanahashi. Seems like that's I mean, just like, hey, Tanahashi's one of the biggest deals. Let's put them up against each other. That's a, you know, an easy thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is like, yeah. You, you, Tanahashi definitely could one day again be the world heavyweight champion, but he's in the the backside of his career now. It's like he's got, he, he's one of the greatest people to ever work for New Japan. So, and Okada's definitely way up there with him. And this is arguably the greatest new japan rivalry of all time so just revisit it have them have a one-off match they should just essentially have one match every one or two years just to keep it going and yeah this will probably be match of the night because it frankly always is with these two i'll go as far as to say that i think this is the last time they have a one-on-one match and i think it'll be a banger 
And I don't think Tanahashi will win. But I might even go a step further and say this might be the last time he challenges the belt. I think it'll be play the hits, give us your best feud of the modern generation, and let's really let's kick some ass in America for New Japan. Because they were slated to really kick this thing off before COVID and the Elite left. Remember that? Like there there's still something there, and I hope that they capture it. So let's bounce around to some other hot tags here. We did the vast majority of them over the course of this, but still a couple other things to talk about. One of them being Jerry Jarrett passed away. And especially whenever there is like somebody who is, you know, a a big member of the pro wrestling business that is uh, unfortunately no longer with us. And that's something that we always want to put in the hot tags. I can't really say that I have, any memories of Jerry Jarrett in any particular way. It's not like he was, uh, you know, a, a former world champion kind of a thing or something, but he's somebody who obviously has more than his fair share of influence over the business and all any talking points about Jerry Jarrett. You guys want to bring up? I think the Memphis territory in general is credited with giving the wrestling world so many top stars whether it's like the late stage Memphis gave us the rock. Even, you know, Kurt Angle was sent to Memphis. I'm not sure if he had any hands on them with Jared, but, you know, guys like Shawn Michaels went through there. Uh, Taker started there, you know, and I think above all else, the Memphis TV, it's still, you can still see bits of it in modern television. But I think what most modern fans would know Jerry Jarrett for outside of being Jeff's father is probably the fact that WWE brought him in in the 90s because, hey, if Vince goes down, this was the guy trusted to take over WWE. So I think that says all you need to know about Jerry as a promoter. On top of all of that, you know, he was always so willing to speak and he's so knowledgeable and I, I it sucks that we didn't get more from guys like Jerry when it comes to podcasts and shoot interviews but the bits that we do have out there are great and I would suggest that anyone remotely interested in the territory days check out Memphis TV check out Jerry Jarrett's shoot interviews with KFib commentaries and Conrad just uploaded I think his conversations with Conrad won. There's a lot you can learn there. Of course, condolences to the Jared family. It seems like Jerry was struggling with esophagus cancer. But he lived a, a tremendous life in the wrestling industry. And the legacy that he leaves behind, I think, will always be felt as long as we are around. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the certain boat with Tony is that I don't know too much of the ins and outs of that, but by all accounts, he's like a legendary booker and essentially turned the Memphis territory into one of the biggest wrestling markets at that point in time in the 70s and 80s. Obviously, father of Jeff, and Jeff's turned out to be a great wrestler as well, and I think uh, Jerry Jerry was a babyface wrestler for a while as well. Like in prior to moving into 
the more celebrated booker and owner role. Obviously, him and Jeff ran TNA for a long time before he went out of the business to uh, pass the business over to Dixie Carter and everyone involved in that. So he, his his presence has been felt across the wrestling landscape. I think when you just look back over the Memphis stuff, like the stuff that like Jerry Lawler used to do in particular, I, I think it's probably just a combination of Jerry's booking and for, for the most part, like Jerry, the King Lawler's like just overall charisma and magnitude probably made them such a, made this, uh, that promotion so strong. And yeah, it's uh, again, just condolences and, it's a um, it's it's one of the more like notable losses in the wrestling industry that there could be probably this year. Like realistically, let's put it that way. I think for me, because of his closeness with Jerry Lawler, losing him just days after Lawler had suffered that horrible stroke, it, it's just very scary. I think growing up. I always heard about the territories when, you know, you're trying to, like, research what wrestling was. And to see a lot of these names sort of passing on, it it makes you realize how you need to do the best you can to preserve not only conversations with these people, but the work that they put out there. And thankfully, the Memphis Territory... You can go on YouTube and find full episodes for many years, so it's well-preserved in that way, but it is scary to think that these people are going to start passing away and they might not... These stories, or some of them at least, might go with them, you know? never want to see that. All right, so yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure there are plenty, plenty different things that people can get into when it comes to his historical contributions and everything in the pro wrestling business that we are not necessarily the authoritarians on to talk about. But if you have any things that you want to talk about in the comments, definitely let us know your thoughts and our condolences go out to the friends and family and fans of Jerry Jarrett. Let's move on and talk about some, let's just do this quick, easy thing. Ava rain in NXT is now just Ava. I I saw that. (laughs) dumb so i hope they don't keep it very strange i'm not uh unless they're gonna change it to the my via or fatu or uso or whatever i don't want the one name oh she's just ava i'm not a big fan of that almost ever i can't really think of any situations right now of uh when I've been like, you know, I really like when they just completely change it. Like maybe if anything, Biggie is the only one I can think of. But I hated the idea of just Riddle. I hated the idea of uh, the only I, one that I think for me. There, there's two that worked out well for me: Cesaro and Rusev. Yeah, I Probably mean they were they were fine. But that, at the same time, out. that's very very rare that I actually like that kind of thing. So. Uh, I don't like the idea of it just being like, oh, I'm Ava. Well, you know what? The name Ava Rain was kind of bland as it was. And if you're trying to get into like doing like a Madonna type thing or something, you don't have necessarily uh, been showing the personality to, to do that yet. So I, I'm not a fan of it. You haven't been showing the personality that says, I'm getting in the ring soon. Very excited to see that. Seems like they're building towards a match between her and Thea. 
So whether I would do it on TV, I wouldn't wait for stand and deliver. Because, you know, I think she'll be more protected inside the NXT arena. And I'm excited to see what she has to offer. I really, I want her to succeed. She's got such a large shadow to get out from under that it almost feels, no matter how hard she tries, it feels like it could be doomed. But I think that there's something there. And I want to see her succeed. Let's bounce over to talking about what happened on NXT this week, since we are talking about NXT. Not too much uh, on the Ava Rain side to be like, you know, hey, uh, and that's why they switched that all over. But we did have some other talking points. Um, one of the major ones that they had going on was they're continuing this story between Grayson Waller and Shawn Michaels, which is funny enough. Grayson Waller lost to Tyler Bate. After that, he went backstage. He started complaining to Shawn Michaels, who then kicked him out of the building. And what I think is funny about this is um, I've been seeing people trying to pitch all these ideas of, of where it's going to go. And I think that they're getting themselves a little bit hyped up for something that they're not going to get. Uh, I've seen like, Oh, okay. Well, Sean's going to hire somebody from the main roster to go after Waller because of this relationship with triple H. And then that's going to lead to Waller being a part of, I forget how this one person had said it, but it was something along the lines of like he uh, he'll enter the elimination chamber and and do something or whatever. And then wow, okay, I didn't think you were going yeah, there. All all sorts of different things. I've seen this is going to lead to Shawn Michaels versus Grayson Waller at WrestleMania. This is going to lead to HBK versus Grayson Waller at Stand and Deliver. This is going to be uh, you know Waller is going to start feuding with Gargano because Gargano's a Triple H guy and an HBK guy and. No. You know, you know what? That's the one. Because I had off-air pitched Sammy. Or just like a, a face of NXT Pat. Gargano's the one. It, that could be the thing that the only thing that makes any sense to me that if they try to do something out of this beyond what I think is the case, which is HBK's just going to say you're out of NXT and then he's going to go up to the main roster. <laughs> Why the fuck do you reward bad behavior, Tony? I don't think it's necessarily a reward. I think it's more like you're out of NXT and then we don't hear from him for a couple weeks. And then when the draft comes around, Hey, Hey, look at that. Like, look who just got signed. Uh, it's Grayson Waller, you know? No, it didn't click until you said Gargano. The reality of it is. Shawn Michaels should get a name of NXT past. Grayson Waller should be complaining. I want a massive match. I want a takeover level match. Waller took out Gargano, and then we didn't see him again until he just showed up in Toronto. There's there's a built-in story there. And so then Waller can just go right up to the main roster. and Waller versus Gargano at Stand and Deliver. And Deliver. Because realistically, again, if you don't have anything for Gargano at Mania, let him work the NXT show. Is it really going to hurt? Could be the case. Definitely a lot more believable than he's going to pop up at Elimination Chamber. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was, but no, I don't see know. that happening. You look deep enough on the, the Twitter sphere and you're going to see people that are going to be like, well, this clearly means that Tatanka's coming back. <laughs> just, people make up some crazy shit. Are you digging this uh, by any means, Callum? I know you're not as super big fan of NXT, but at least when it comes to the Waller and HBK thing, is that intriguing? Nope. 
Is it intriguing that he chose Waller over anyone else? For what? For like to do this like angle for like you see enough in him that you're gonna do this angle. No. <laughs> well, I know that you're you're fa- uh, you're far more into the love story of Brooks Jensen and Keanu. We need you? to talk about this. You had a great I tweet was, about it that was uh, that very much summed it up. Yeah, if uh, if you didn't see it, basically the storyline that they ended up going with for this is that Brooks, Brooks Jensen's never been kissed. Couldn't yeah, they, it be he hasn't fucked? They did the thing of like, well, I've never, and then Brooke, uh, Josh Briggs is like, oh, you know, you're you're still young. A lot of people haven't hit a home run, and he's like, oh, I've never oh, been on base. So that's wonderful. that's baffling too. I'm like, 22. Like I could have sworn he's at least 28. <laughs> but then again, I look at the clock and I go, fuck, how old am I? So <laughs> they went with the idea that he hasn't ever even kissed anybody before, and of course the the terrible acting that comes along with these things and the, the tremendous acting. I don't think I should tell him that Kiana James was saying I love you to somebody on the phone call. I don't remember them saying that she had said I love you, Zach. I don't remember Zach being a name that they had mentioned before. Maybe I just I don't, deleted that detail from my brain. I imagine that that they must have, otherwise they wouldn't have gone yeah. that far to say it. It's so they, just the fact that we get this close-up shot of what's supposed to be Kiana James' house, yeah. and she's playing with her keys. And the, the important to folks is that Dallin Henley said if she starts playing with her keys, that means, you know, She's giving you the sign. Go ahead and go in for the kiss. <laughs> and Briggs is doing the go for the 90-10 percentage, which uh, I think it's funny that there's probably some people watching this that are like, oh, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> write that down, write that down. You know, but then uh, Fallon, who's apparently been following them all night, I don't know how they Yeah, that's it one of those ridiculous <laughs> things. They just pop up, wait, don't kiss. <laughs> but no, because she said, I love you to Zach. And in the most Nickelodeon fashion, <laughs> we get, I do love Zach. Zach is my brother. And Zach wah, not wah. only is the brother, but, but he is immediately at the door <laughs> to open it up to go home for the dog. The door. And in the most Brazzers fashion, we get, hey, sis, wasn't <laughs> sure when you'd be home. I guess I'll just go out through the back door. But, well, like, <laughs> what the fuck happened here and then of course it's the whole like fine yeah i'm gonna storm off you don't trust me and then uh, now we're not gonna do the kiss then brooks is like oh it's okay fallon like why didn't she invite the guy in dude you're not pissed at him you're pissed at her right you know well that's the way that these terrible sitcom type of things work is nobody ever it's one of those things that uh caroline my wife is just like people don't act like that on tv shows because i'll i'll adamantly get upset about it when we're watching certain things and i'll be like this whole fucking thing could have just been stopped if somebody would have just said hey this is what i'm thinking and she's like i know but it's a show they have to have the manufactured tension and i'm like but it's fucking annoying (laughs) when i write a lot of things i write things where it's like they have that discussion but there's still an issue and then that's why it doesn't because it bugs me to no end when people are like the trope of like somebody's walking up with flowers and they go to 
you know, say that they love somebody and at the exact same time they think that they see that person kiss somebody else and then, you know, but you saw it from the wrong angle and whatever. It's that soap opera shit. And obviously WWE is very much a male soap opera, but, but and man, it's clear, bad. <laughs> I don't want, like, when, you're, when you do that childish shit, that's fine if it's literally on an episode of Drake and Josh <laughs> or Keenan and Kel. But I wouldn't even put this on Riverdale. All right. Like this was just some <laughs> childish shit here. But I, I got to give them credit because as you can tell by the way that I've talked about it, they have completely hooked me. I am entertained <laughs> of this dumb shit. I, look, I got to watch it anyway. I'm going to make it fun. And by God, at least they have me caring about these stupid characters. Who knows if this gets something at our end of the year awards. <laughs> Best or worse. Remember, it could be that case. There's a lot of other things that happen on this card that we don't really need to necessarily talk Tiffany about. Stratton won a match, and I just want to say it again. Fantastic. I can't wait to see what she does in the future. She's winning that belt down the line for sure. I think she's going to be the one that beats Roxanne. But like Axiom beat Damon Kemp and you know, whatever. And uh, Big Body Javi. Actually. Well, you know, that, like the Axiom wandered. Was, yeah. Yeah. Damien, Ke- Damien Kemp was, you know, on takeover and he was doing stuff and he was, now he's losing to Axiom. They did a little Valentine thing with Big Body Javi that this is the type of thing that I'm like, all right, that I see the humor in this. This is fun with the, hey, do you want to be my Valentine? It's a once in a lifetime thing. Tatum, Tatum Paxley's like, nah. And right next to her, it's Ivy. Hey, Ivy, what's a lifetime? Like, yeah, it's a simple joke, but it works. Once in a lifetime, that you're going to be my bouncer. Yeah. Um, JC Jane cut a promo explaining in the most basic fucking way possible, which I was like, I hate when they do this. It's the old, it's my time now. I was the standout of the group. There's nothing yeah. to it. That's fine. What else do you need when you turn heel? Um, I like that she's just leaning into the Shawn Michaels of it all. I think she called herself the heartbreak chick on Twitter. Yeah. And Larry Stark was like, are you going to steal everything from him? And someone replied underneath her, except his talent. <laughs> it's just, okay, fine. Uh, it's fine. I'm all for toxic attraction, having their blow up at Mania. There should be more than one women's match on cards these days. So this is fine. She did say, I'm the last woman standing. Yeah. Which makes me go, okay, are they having a last woman standing match? <laughs> Could be the case. Um, stop me at any point if any of these things are interesting to you, Callum. I'm just assuming that they're not. <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah, so that's fine. <laughs> Katana Chance and Caden Carter decided, hey, for the third time, I think, that they're like, hey, we're not going to turn heel. I'm sorry. <laughs> what it would, these two as well, where they're just like, you know what? We're friends. So go fuck yourself. And then they're like, hey, we're sorry. We didn't mean it like that. And then they literally don't even mean it like that. They just go back to being baby faces. Yeah. What the fuck? I was assuming at the very least what they would do is they lose the match to Roxanne and Mako. And then they like attack them afterward or something because they're pissed. And it's like, God damn it. And we were nope. trying to do it. No, they just lose. <laughs> it's just okay. Well, I guess I guess they just really like the idea of teasing that they're going to turn and then having cold feet about it, but it's not fun. Uh, we got the Wesley North American Championship Open Challenge, which 
Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo came out and they were attacked by Dijak, which left uh, an opportunity for Von Wagner to get in and lose. And then Mr. Stone did the same basic thing that he did before, which was help me help you. You're losing because you're putting up a wall and you're not connecting to anybody. And they're just dragging out that story a little bit. He did say that, and I did an article on this because it was fantastic. The biggest thing you have going for you is a meme that says come Tuesday. And I like, okay, fine. Lead into it. Yeah, the acknowledging the Come Tuesday meme is something that's uh, that's funny. We also know that there is going to be NXT Roadblock as a special episode coming up in a few weeks. But funny enough, what's not happening on there is Jinder Mahal challenged Braun Breaker to a title match, and it's happening next week as opposed to at Roadblock. I'm sure they can DQ it and do it again at Roadblock, or I'm sure Gender could win for a week. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I mean, they gave sure Ziggler the belt for a week. Yeah. You know, I'm assuming it ends in some sort of a DQ thing. Maybe induce share starts getting involved and then the Creed brothers come out and then it's like Braun Breaker and the Creed brothers against induce share at uh, Roadblock and they don't want to necessarily do the title match or something or I don't know, maybe, but it is kind of, I'm curious that like they randomly did this little Jinder Mahal thing and then they're like, but by the way, we're also going to have a special episode and this doesn't apply to it. My favorite thing about this was at the end of the show, Mako challenges Roxanne and Roxanne accepts and Vic Joseph with just no, he just goes, Roxanne has met her roadblock and her roadblock has come on the road to stand and deliver. She has met a, ro- and he just kept repeating roadblock. And it's like, huh. Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Roxanne's going to fight Mako at roadblock instead of stand and deliver. What a road to perdition. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, it seems like we also are probably going to get something where Charlie Dempsey is now aligned with Drew Gulak. He beat Hank Walker, who had gotten some of his ring gear, but not his boots. And Gulak decided to just let Dempsey attack Walker after the match and then walk off with uh, Dempsey. So maybe we are going to get Gulak against Hank Walker. Maybe we're going to get Dempsey and Gulak against Walker and someone else. I don't really know who that would be. Maybe Hank Walker is going to be a part of Andre Chase University down the line or something. I don't know. Oh, that would be a good fit, actually. It should be, because realistically, I mean, at some point, Duke Hudson's going to have this whole, like, split off, and maybe Hank Walker is the best person for that job. Fill that void. But Gulak turned heel. He's part of Dempsey's alignment now, and I guess he's filling in the spot that William Regal would have been if they didn't have this agreement that he can't be on camera. I'm not opposed to it. I like the idea of Gulak and Dempsey together. Yeah, I like Gulak being a part of the show. I like him turning heel. I like him with Dempsey. They could have great tag team matches against the Creed Brothers and any other team that NXT manages to make. Pretty Deadly has a title shot against Gallus because they lost a bunch of games to pool, bought him a bunch of beer. Not my favorite segment. They did, they did one of the best tropes in all TV. Well, if you wanted the shot, all you had to do was ask. You getting a feeling that they are turning Pretty Deadly babyface? Kind of. They could also a little bit of that vibe. Turning them to the main roster. Maybe that too. And one more talking point to talk about from NXT. Trick Williams called out the re- 
previously returning Ilya Dragunov, or as we like to refer to him. <laughs> and uh, the feud with J.D. McDonough is continuing, and it very much seems like J.D. McDonough versus Ilya Dragunov is happening at Stand and Deliver. Yeah, it'll be great. Stand just, and Deliver should be a lot of fun. I mean, takeovers aren't what they used to be, but Stand and Deliver usually, no pun, delivers. So, mm. Just to be sure, any other talking points, Callum, that you want to touch on? I'm sorry, were you saying anything? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and the one thing Tony forgot, Apollo Crews had another vision, and he just doesn't know why. Now the Kato turned on him. Oh, that's right, I forgot. I, I didn't even write it down. <laughs> you know what Davikato said? I turn on you, and you know what you did. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> Thrilling. Well, let's talk about AEW now and round out some of the final things that we can talk about for this. One of them being Thunder Rose's return and trying to squash some beef with the roster with a meeting backstage. You guys probably are tracking this story more than I am. What's the the long and short of it? Uh, the long and short of it is Thunder Rose is back. She's back doing Spanish commentary on Dynamite. And as first reported by... John Ross Sapp of Fightful Select. There was a meeting held backstage on, not this week, but the week prior, when it was first reported that she had done commentary. And that it said, essentially, Rosa did a lot of making amends, and it was seen as like a good meeting that kind of quashed a lot of tension. If you remember, there were all those stories about, like, Tony was pissed that she didn't drop the belt to her, and there was Jamie Hayter, Wanted to beat her up, so she locked herself in a bathroom. And so apparently, just all that is quashed. This is being viewed as a clean slate. So I think that's good. And I hope that Rose is back sooner rather than later because between the mid kind of title run, I feel like she needs something to get back into the mix because it's really kind of feeling like. Yeah, I think we can move on without her. And I don't want that because I did enjoy her for a time. So one of those things where I get tired of hearing the don't believe everything you read online because it might be true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, there's no truth to this. And then eventually enough time goes on. And they're like, yeah, by the way, that probably all did happen. Uh, cut the shit. Stop lying. Callum, do you miss Thunder Rosa? Um, I mean, she's very good in the ring when you get the opportunity to do so. And so I think that as long as there's none of the drama surrounding her and that whole beef has been quashed, then then sure, she's a, a valuable member of that roster. But just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just hopeful that moving forward there aren't any repeats of what's previously happened because... There's a lot of people that say they've changed in the wrestling business, and some of them do follow through, but some of them also don't. True. On trademark duty right now, Chris Jericho is trying to trademark his former tag team name, Jericho, which I am assuming is obviously not that he wants to start teaming back up with Big Show, but that he probably wants to do some kind of, hey, this is the Jericho thing. Yeah, like Raw is Jericho, that that type of thing. That's yeah, what I'm I assuming. Yeah, I kind of felt like it was going to be a, a talk show type deal. Right. But then I thought, why not? 
you know, uh, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett have been getting tag title shots. Why not just do, okay, here's Chris Jericho and the big show. They're going to fight um, Darby and Sting. You know? That's probably exactly what they'll do. Jericho hasn't fought Darby yet, has he? He fought him in like a one-on-one in like the third episode, but he hasn't like feuded with Darby yet. No, not that I can think of. He's got to go through the. Uh, he's got to go through Ricky Starks, and then eventually Jungle Boy, and then I'll go through Darby. I guess. No, I, I think Darby's after Starks. I could see. A yeah, probably. Where, where we're looking at, maybe he'll big show just throwing around Darby Allen at the request of Chris Jericho. I, I could think of worse things for everyone in that picture. So, here's hoping that they. Work out whatever that is. Yep, I don't really have much else to add to it beyond the point that I know that there was at least some reports going out that Paul White said that he's not retired and he is looking Paul to get White back in the said, ring. I think it was a recent, very recent interview, like the last two weeks. He said he's looking to be back in the ring by March. So take that for what you will. Well, on the Dynamite episode, at least to have those talking points, we yeah we have some matches here and there and whatever like that. A lot again, we don't need to break down everything in high detail, like Jungle Boy beating Brian Cage. It's uh, you know, um, but I mean, like we got to talk about the talking points. Like we don't need <laughs> to go into the details of like how Jungle Boy beat Brian Cage. We need to talk about Christian returns. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that, that, that was the big talk about that That's one. a big, you know. Okay, he is taking off the sling, so we're going to get that Jungle Boy versus Christian match, most likely at Revolution, I would assume. Yeah, that has to be a match at Revolution. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. We're finally going to come back around to that. We got another change to the Revolution card where Orange Cassidy, Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, and Billy Gunn beat Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt, and. Eventually, it became aware that it's going to be a four-way for the tag team titles. The acclaimed are already in there. Two other teams have not been settled yet, and that's going to happen with a battle royal. Who do you guys think are going to fill those two spots? Um, I think it's uh, it's hard to say with one of them. I think one of them is going to be settled with a regular battle royal. The other one's going to be settled with a casino battle royal. The casino one battle royal immediately screams FTR. Because they could be the Joker entry, and then that's their big return, and then they get into the match. Uh, but Palmy also doesn't think that because it seems a bit odd that they would win it in a four-way match. But then again, they might just, like, the Ass Boys beat someone else, and then the FTR, FTR if they are back, win it in, on a TV episode later down the road. So it's not like they need to win the titles at Revolution. Um, so I think FTR will win the Casino Battle Royal. The other one, I think the the the, the tag team that's most got, has got the most momentum going for it at the moment is Top Flight. I agree. So in this Battle Royal for next week, judging by the pictures, you Butcher and Blade 2.0, um, Silver and Reynolds, Nissan Davari. Lucha Bros, Best Friends, and Jared and... You cut out a little bit there. 
What did you say after Jarrett? Uh, Jarrett and Maple. Oh, I don't know if you said anything other than potentially that name. No, that was, that uh, was it. They're the last two. Yeah. 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 yeah, but I, I don't think they'd revealed all of them. Like, it's not just going to be seven teams in a battle royal. Yeah. So there's going to be at least probably 10 or 15, I imagine. And it'll be the usual rules where both members have to get eliminated for it to for it to count. So, I mean, top flight, I think, are the, would be the favourites. The other choices, that, I mean, I think there are other good choices. I think I think Butcher and the Blade have been looking really good recently in, in uh, dark matches. I think they've got a lot of intensity about them now. I could see them throwing in maybe, like, especially if they're not going to do any, like, um, Ring of Honor uh, title match. You could do uh, Claudio and Willie Uta. Yoda. You could do um, um Daniel got Ga- I mean you've got two point I mean there you could do Daniel Garcia and uh Sammy Nerf. Guevara. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah, um, the, the Guevara yeah, Garcia and, and Starks in a really odd tag team. <laughs> um what I'm looking at here, I'm thinking Dark Order have been over for a very long time and haven't actually gotten a tag title shot. They got the trios match with Paige, but they were like the back story of that equation. I would also say Menard and Parker are great. Best friends, same deal like Dark Order. Should probably get a pay-per-view tag title shot. But gun to my head, I'm going to go with Lethal and Jared probably steal a victory here. Um, I, will, I will also add this that I don't like the... I, 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 would, I would be fine with the whole triple threat tag team thing because I think you can kind of spin that as a bit of a revolution tradition because that they also did a triple threat tag match revolution um i don't like the whole rematch clause thing because that's something yeah, that aw doesn't stupid. that's something aw doesn't do and or hasn't done before and now apparently they're all coming together and saying that they've got a rematch clause realistically the acclaim should have just won the first battle royal to earn to earn a rematch i don't mind the idea of a rematch clause i mind the idea of Hey, we've got a rematch clause. So let's give ourselves a 25% chance to win. Like, that just doesn't seem... Are you saying they should have just had it, like, next week or something? Yeah, like, if you're going to have a match, do it, you know, where you have more of a chance to win. I was in that same boat as, like, why don't people just go into the Royal Rumble holding a weapon? (laughs) No DQ, why not? That's what I would do. Bring a lead pipe and just beat the shit out of everybody. And then, hey, look at that, I got an edge. But I guess uh, the way that I would put this is I keep feeling like Top Flight might end up being the ROH tag team champions coming out pretty soon. And I wouldn't be too shocked to see that they get a spot here, but they lose, but they look really strong. And then that leads them into fighting for those belts, because I'm assuming at Supercard of Honor that they're probably going to do some sort of like, all right, well, the belts have been vacated for obviously the you know uh jay briscoe is passing unfortunately and we need to settle on a new champion set and i think the top flight could be the people that end up winning that we'll talk about more specifics about that when we get into our revolution predictions but another thing that's happening with revolution john moxley and claudio castanoli beat roosh and preston vance in a texas tornado match and then we got a thing a little bit later on that uh, after uh, Hangman Adam Page also had beat Kip Sabian, we're going to get John Moxley against Adam Page in a Texas Death match at Revolution. Yeah, pretty cool. 
yeah, I'm down with that. Again, this is a match they've done multiple times, but the story is... Its story makes sense that they'll be having these many matches. I mean, the first one, you had Paige, unfortunately, get knocked out for real. And so they did the rematch where Paige returned the favour and Moxley was off TV for a couple of weeks. And then they come together and they have the finish, which is a very traditional roll-up, pinfall finish. And it's just like, okay, neither of us are really that satisfied with that result. So we need to have a match where the the end result is one of us has to be knocked out for a count of 10 for us to be the victor. So it makes total sense. Really looking forward to it. It's good to have a some like at least one really physical no DQ plunder style match on an AEW card. So I think this would definitely uh, fits the bill. And this is one of those scenarios where you don't, hear from me oh they're still doing this they're trying to get it out they've already had four matches <laughs> that kind of thing because it's like no you're doing a good job with it so it doesn't feel like it's been 17 months worth of my god you're just copying and pasting they're telling a story and they're doing it well enough that i'm like yeah this is a good end to this feud now if they do this match and then they fight again on dynamite yeah after that yeah that, then that, <laughs> that next match after that's going to be like what the hell you you had the blow off at revolution come on guys you know it is quite interesting, though, because, again, we'll talk about when we get to the AEW predictions, but I would have no idea who would win that match. I'm thinking it has Adam to be Paige. Page. I think I think it's um, likely Paige, but out of the two of them, I'm leaning more towards Paige. But I still, but, like, it's two of your top guys, really. Like, yeah. one of them's going to have to lose. It's like... The way I look at it, and I'll probably not be changing my opinion, so I'm going to, you know, jump ahead and already do my prediction. Paige, this whole thing started off with Paige getting injured. So he ultimately needs to get the victory. And I think it's easier for Paige to beat Moxley and Moxley to be like, all right, you earned my respect because I bled like a stuck pig. And I mean, he does that, you know, probably if he's like eating cereal, but like, uh, I think that that makes more sense than Paige somehow ending this and not looking weak. Uh, I think that, I think, I think there are two different ways. I think the way you, you describing it would be the right way of doing it. In my perspective, the, the way you can have Moxley win is that you tell the story of Paige, like, after getting himself so hyped up and focused about this, ends up losing, that's when he has to go back to the Elite to refine himself. That could be the case, too, yeah. Yeah, so I think that, again, I like the fact that, like, a lot of AEW feuds, they have multiple ways they can go about it with it still making sense. When was, um, when was Blood and Guts last year? Uh, it was around about, like, June, July. Oh, oh no! It's actually it was it was just after Forbidden Door, so yeah, it would have been late June, early July. Uh, okay, because I'm like, uh, I mean, maybe they would end up leading towards like a an Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club type thing or something, but hmm. I think that's unlikely. Yeah, it's a little too far away from that. But Moxley still hasn't gone on vacation. <laughs> True, and maybe he takes a enough of a beating on this time, takes a little bit of time off. We'll talk about it again when we get to it in the two weeks or so. Um, the other thing to talk about, or well, I guess there is one more thing. Mark Briscoe is now officially signed with AEW, so we're going to be seeing more of him going forward. Oh yeah, and that's also something that I want to bring out before we get to the the final big talking point, which is um, that um, so Ring of Honor are doing tapings now. So they put out um, they put out part of like a, a a combination of like announcement saying to for people to get involved with the first set of ring of honor tapings alongside a set of aw dark tapings so so yeah the streaming service will be presumably up and running soon it's march 2nd they're starting the show yeah. march 2nd 
that's cool trying to get a um show of it and then they will have like a, a month or so build before supercard of honor so we can see how things shape up there I, I assume again if you are going down the route of briscoe has to either find a tag team partner or he has to relinquish the titles could be the start of like a tag team tournament and I'd go a step further and say, at this point, it should be Briscoe and Claudio. The world title. Could be. Mark Briscoe. Has it, he never won a singles title, I think they said, on Wednesday? Uh, he's, no, he's won the... He's, he's a former TV champion. Well, then Excalibur lied to me. How dare he? They could even make that as easy as being like, Tony Khan says, look since you have to vacate your championship, but you are a champion, that makes you the number one contender. Yeah, you could definitely do that. That makes sense. They haven't, they haven't set any definitive challenger for Claudio yet. So. Yeah. I, I really felt like they were building Claudio to face the Briscoes. And like, a, you know, we're kind of putting the focus on our tag teams here. Maybe a winner-take-all scenario, but probably just tag title match. But unfortunately, obviously, with the passing of Jay, I think this would be a nice way to pivot. And then Yuda can uh, fight someone else. Well, one other talking point, the last thing for uh, me to, to bring up here, or at least as far as Dynamite's concerned, this Ruby Soho beating Britt Baker, or not Britt Baker, um, uh, the Tony Storm, the whole thing that's what we got going on here. She's stuck in the middle between Tony Storm and Soraya, and then you've got Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Ruby comes out on board uh, on top of all this whole thing, and very much they don't decide to actually go ahead with it and have her turn or make a decision or anything. She's just like, you know, hey, I'm stuck between everybody, and you should all knock it off. We've talked about it before. We all kind of think that Ruby fits better with Soraya and Tony. I don't know if you guys have changed your opinions about this, but are you... Um... Like, I also just feel like Ruby is better as a baby face. But I also feel like this story is stupid. I'm really just... I Yeah, I'm not liking it. And I hate that I keep repeating the same thing about the women's division in AEW, but it's like... It sucks. Okay. <laughs> it's I, not I good. What, I know what this is all leading to. This is leading to likely women's blood and guts. And more importantly, the ascension of Jade to the next level because she'll be the homegrown talent that like really cinches everything together for everybody. But I just don't like, and this goes for across the board, men, women, any brand, any era. I don't like the, they were in WWE. So I, I just like, it's not the story I want to tell. I understand you had to turn Soraya. It's just not how I personally would do it. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like, I love the storyline by any stretch of imagination. I think people are overblowing how much it's, it sucks or anything like that because it's a, it's a clear story. The story is that Soraya's coming to the company. She feels disrespected or she feels like she immediately butt heads with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. The crowd has resonated with the homegrown talent. And so she has managed to get Tony Storm on side because they have a previous working relationship in WWE. And so she's kind of, in my mind, like clouded 
Tony's thoughts and thinking, oh yeah, I'm bigger than I'm bigger than this promotion. This like I was the champion for a while, and I'm no longer the champion. And like I I I now know that I'm bigger than this, and we're bigger than this, and so we're going to go and prove it. I don't really necessarily think the whole spray painting and the L signs is much because let's face it, it's, it's very Bella Twins, and it's not not something that I'm super into. Yeah. It also okay. just gives me the vibe that they're like, well, let's try to do the outsiders. Well, yeah, they're, they're trying to do they're part merging outsiders. outsiders with the Bell Twins, yeah. Yeah, part outsiders, part Bella Twins, and that just it just doesn't work. They should just try and be their own thing. And yeah, it's 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 so the execution at the moment is off. What I don't don't think the execution is off on is the way that Ruby is being utilized in this, which is yeah, of course she hasn't made a decision because frankly she doesn't trust Soraya and Tony Storm but she wants to be the champion. And that was clear from what I gathered, like people say, like, Oh, it hasn't progressed anything. She hasn't chosen to the side where it has progressed. She's going to find Jamie Hayer for the world, the women's world championship. And whether that is going to be a straight up match or it's a triple threat with Soraya at a revolution. I think that that could then be the catalyst for her deciding one way or the other. I think it should be just a straight up one-on-one match between her and Jamie Hayer at revolution for the title. And then when Hater beats her, that causes her to snap and decide, okay, I've lost. And you could tell that story of like, I, like uh, again, it's I think it's a bit of a false narrative that people put together. It's like, oh, Ruby's done absolutely nothing since joining AEW. Uh, she's been in multiple world title matches. She was the runner-up of the tournament to crown the TBS champion. She was also runner-up of the Own Heart Memorial tournament. It's like... They are. They do do stuff with her. She doesn't necessarily win all of the stuff, but like, not everyone should do. Not everyone should win every title or like be like, like because essentially everyone starts the year saying, "Oh, these these twenty people should be world champion at some point this year." It's like they're not going to be. Probably only two of them at most are going to be. So I think that, but I think that that's a good way to push her one way or the other into. Okay, she loses the the title match to Hater, then you uh, transition her onto. Okay, she joins the heel side. That then starts a a domino effect where people join one side or the other, and that leads you towards the blood and guts match. I, I see like the way you lay it out. I like my issue is isn't really with the Ruby element of it all. It's largely the presentation of the villains and the why that they're the villains i i sort of feel like it paints wrestling fans in a weird light that the Rhea just had this miraculous comeback and wrestling fans are like yeah but you know piss off <laughs> like she came back and like like it or not whether you think that it's an blind reaction she came out and said I'm better than this, essentially. Oh, she definitely like, did. I'm, like, a real, just... I'm a real star. I'm the star this division needs. It's like, of course they're going to resent that because if people, even though people, I know a lot of people, and I was definitely included in that, like, dislike the way the handling of the women's division was. If they, you basically come in and say, oh, you're doing this really, you're doing a really shit job with your women's division. I'm here to save it because I'm the star and I was at a bigger promotion. And I know all this stuff and I know how to be a star because I was part of that promotion. Then of course, the actual AEW fans, who the hardcores in particular don't like WWE, are going to turn on you because you sound like you you think that just because you were somewhere else, you're better than that. And again, whether that was her intention or not in that promo, probably wasn't at the time. 
but she said it and people immediately reacted to it. It, it was a bad first impression, which spiraled into what it is now. I don't really blame the fans for it. I don't really, I don't blame Soraya either. It's just they, I, again, I would commend them for taking that thing, which may have been an issue in the first place and say, okay, we've got pivot in now. Jamie Hayter's getting super over as a baby face, which she was well before Soraya even joined AEW anyway. Like, so let's run with them as the baby face. And I, I do also appreciate the fact that they are stalling on, I say stalling, they've hold off, held off on the Britt Baker turn because Britt's now over as a baby face as well. And they've shown absolutely zero sign of breaking up. So it would make zero sense for that to happen at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous, but it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So this this is essentially like me talking about a show that like like you're you're reacting to this in the same way I react to it. Right. The X. Which is fine. We can have that. We can just basically bounce off where like you shut off during this part and I shut off during the NXT part, and then. Uh, but I think that well, I happen to agree with all the things you're saying too. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. So I'm just like, yep. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with most of the NXT stuff. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with most of the NXT stuff, even though I'm not listening to it. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I would say overall this is probably the weakest Dynamite show of the year in terms of just there wasn't that big standout great match this week or that big like major angle. But I think it was it's weird because even though it didn't have any of that stuff, I think this is the show that's done the best to build towards revolution so far. Yeah. And I mean, MJF did another good promo, but like MJF always does co promo. So, you know, outside of the things he did with the crowd, there really wasn't much else for me to talk about. Oh, that, there. that was so much fun. Cause I got to see that obviously because I watched free fight TV. Mm-hmm. Just like when I watch it, it's just like him just, you know, throwing gum at a fan's face and then just spilling a drink over everyone and telling telling them to, it doesn't matter what you. It doesn't matter you say. We're not on TV. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, just, the abortion just, joke. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay. he, he he was so great. So anyway, that uh, is pretty much our hot tags that we've got for this week. Obviously, of course, we got SmackDown tonight. We got Rampage tonight. So some other talking points that we might be factoring into, whether it's just the discussion of elimination chamber tomorrow because maybe they announce a new match to be added to the card or something or maybe we just lump that all into the hot tags next week eventually if anything does happen that's interesting enough we will talk about that but the next episode that you're going to be seeing from us is going to be that elimination chamber post show so tomorrow night we have live coverage of that and then immediately after we will be going live on this youtube channel so make sure you bookmark everything and you set your alarm clocks and whatever else it might be the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view is carrying us over into some other kind of talking points and stuff. But next week, we don't really know what our main event is going to be. It could be any number of different things. We could just do something again based off Elimination Chamber. Or we could do something completely unrelated whatsoever. I don't know. If you have any suggestions, drop your thoughts in the comments below. And we can get into some of the discussions like that. Maybe since that will be the start of the Smart Madness tournament, maybe we'll do some kind of a wrestling with the past to talk about the biggest and best of the family dynasties or something. We did the Dark Cast where we talked about a little bit about that stuff. So if you are unaware what the Dark Cast is, that tier over on the Patreon or the members only episodes, those things you will be able to find the seeding that we did for the tournament. So 
join that if you were interested in that. We also did a call to spot for the elimination chamber. So it's another little bonus thing that we did. But yeah, we got a lot of different options we could do. And we'll be taking suggestions over the next few days to start figuring out what we do next Wednesday. And in the meantime, make sure that you are following us all over the place and make your, 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 your blah, 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 words of words. Make sure you are doing all the things that we mentioned before, entering that Dusty Roads Funko Pop tournament that we have going on there. Make sure you are also check, uh, picking up things on our Redbubble and Public. Make sure you are on that Patreon. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. Make sure you are supporting things over on fanboysanonymous.com as well, like the Blueprint Project of the superhero stories that I've got going on, the uh, the Batman, a nighttime story, the, I don't really want to reveal the titles for some of the other things, but the Power Rangers one, the Superman one, the Star Wars rewrite thing that I got going on that I've been working on, trying to do some stuff with James Bond, Spider-Man, Thor, Ninja Turtles, you name it, I'm pretty much doing it. And the more support that I get for Smart Out Moment, the more that I can apply to fanboys, the more support that I get for fanboys, the more I can apply to Smart Out Moment. Anything that lumps back under a mango tree, it's all going to be watering the same roots and it's all going to be growing the same projects and everything. So if you are into the superhero spectrum and you want to understand more of what the Blueprint Project is all about, check that video that I have up about that and start supporting things through the Patreon and the YouTube channel membership and some direct sponsorship type stuff and just sharing it around you know spread the word get people interested in that the more that we do with that the better also check out my ant-man and the wasp quantum mania review that i just put up from last night watch that movie so i got that up on letterboxd and all i also finished out those favorite movies of every year <laughs> lists which uh funny enough after i posted it the uh, one single page for that was a little bit too big to be able to handle it. So I ended up splitting it up into separate pages. So right now there's a page for 60s, 70s, and 80s. Then there's a page of all the 90s, page from the 2000 to 2009 range, 2010 to 2019, and then 2020 onward. So if you want to know what my favorite movies of all time are, check out those lists. And of course, spread the word and check out everything that's going on with that. But if you go to anthonymango.com or amangotree.com you will see the link tree of all the other kind of different accounts that i've got going on there including the letterboxd and my linkedin and instagram which i don't really post on but whatever follow me at tony mango just the way that you would be following smart moment at smart moment and fanboys anonymous over at fanboys anon on twitter facebook and such and make sure you are following what these guys are up to as well so first of all i have seen Tony's blueprint project video. I must say, as someone who wasn't fully sure what he was going to do, it totally vibes like the kind of videos that I would watch, even if he wasn't one of my best friends. Please support that. I think that's going to turn into something tremendous for Tony, and I want to see it grow. As for me, you can follow me everywhere at Dude Felice. That's Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. Follow the YouTube. I myself want to start making my own content and it'll be a lot of like the wrestling stuff and some non-wrestling. But as Tony has said recently, and I will echo for myself, now is the time to support and let us know that you want to see more from us because every bit of a morale booster helps just so very much. Outside of that, you can follow my work on WrestleZone and Fightful. 
But for now, I give you over to Callum Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Weekmeister14. Over on the Smart Comment website is where you'll find the Power Rankings with the next edition coming out on Saturday. So whether you're listening to this pretty early on, on Friday or Saturday, or you're waiting until later on, if, you, if it's after the fact, then go back and check it. If not, hope you look forward to it. And then other than that, there is also the Fantasy League, which will get updated. It obviously could be a big swing involving Elimination Chamber, both with the Predictions Contest and... Obviously, there are more points up for grabs on pay-per-view, so we'll see how that goes as we enter, really, the final stretch after that. There's just nowhere to hide, just a lot of TV up until double points at WrestleMania, and we will crown our 2022-2023 winner. So go to WWEFantasyLeague.com. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode of the Hot Tags. Quite a bit to break down here. We want to thank you for joining us on this journey. We want to thank you for also leaving your comments below, as I mentioned before. And we want to thank you in advance for tuning in to the Elimination Chamber post-show tomorrow night. That is when we'll see you next. But for now, this has been another Smart Out moment. And we are being counted out. 